What's up, guys? Here's another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, and today I just finished my training session over here at uh, ATP Performance Facility uh, with Araceli. Uh, and like always, I kind of stick around and just watch what's going on in this place. There's just some, some magic going on in here. Um, and then sure enough, I started talking with Juan here, one of the coaches and one of the owners of ATP. And I'm just going to let him introduce himself, and we'll just keep going talking about the conversation we're having. Uh, yeah, so thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Juan Baca, uh, co-owner of ATP Performance Facility here in Dania Beach, Florida. I've been here for 18 years. I'm a strength and conditioning coach, and uh, we specialize in optimizing human performance and quality of life. Perfect. So, I mean, we were going into the, the, we were talking about just like cueing and uh, human performance and all that. Um, I guess what I really wanted to go into is how you got into uh, the philosophy and the, and the realm that you're in now as far as training. Okay, yeah. Um, so basically, uh, when I came to this facility, it used to be a, a regular gym. Um, and my background was actually uh, wrestling and jujitsu, so I've never been a real big guy as far as... Uh, trying to put on a lot of muscle uh, mm. and that would actually impede my performance in jiu-jitsu so uh, what I did is I did a lot of what people call functional training uh, I also trained up at IHP with JC Santana I got into kettlebells uh, with the original RKC with Pavel um, did FMS with Greg Cook and I always try to implement those things into my training uh, then I came across CrossFit and at the time, there was only 897 coaches worldwide that taught this thing called CrossFit. And what it is today and what it was back then is two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, I de-affiliated from CrossFit. Um, the reason being is I felt like there was something missing. I always felt like there was something missing. Uh, for instance, like we were talking about earlier, I would have a client that had been with me for 11, 12 years, and then... Uh, I couldn't figure out like why does this person have difficulty still squatting uh, but aesthetically they look fine uh, but their back is always hurting or their knees always hurting right um, and I was lucky enough to actually uh, host strong first when Pavel stepped away from Arkansas and started his own system and uh, I met Joe Sansalon which is a senior uh, instructor for strong first and when I first met him, he, um, first of all, it just blew my mind the way that he spoke about movement and uh, the way he spoke about how could we truly optimize performance. And uh, it really intrigued me, you know, everything that he was saying. But at the time, obviously, we were testing for Strong First and that, like he told me that this is not the time or place for us to talk about this, you know. Uh, you know, I'll reach out to you, we'll get in touch. A month later, he actually reached out to me. He was going to be here. He asked me if he could come in and uh, use the facility to train on his own. I says, yeah, no problem. You know, let me just pick your brain. And he says, yeah, everything will be, uh, there'll be no problem. It happened to be that that weekend I had a jiu-jitsu tournament. I wasn't able to see him. And this actually went on for a couple of months. But my wife actually got a chance to talk to him. Uh, Stephanie Garina, which is one of the coaches here. She's actually the head coach here and uh, one of the owners. And... Um, she says, you have to talk to this guy. 
You have to talk to him. And what she was saying to me was just blowing my mind. Uh, finally, uh, he came down another month and we spent probably four hours at dinner. And that totally changed uh, my way of thinking as far as training. It always it uh, totally changed my life, I can honestly say. It changed my business plan of what I did here at ATP. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, I was still CrossFit affiliated. And um, I said to him, well, what do I need to do? What do I truly need to do to help people, you know, and optimize their performance and have quality of life? And he said, the first thing you need to do is people need to understand what actually it is. And at the time, the system that I was using was not actually giving everybody uh, what we call the four pillars of optimal performance and quality of life, which is nutrition, ideal movement patterns, recovery, and the mindset to be able to do those things all the time. Right. Um, we started mentoring under him. Under him. Uh, now it's going on four years. Uh, my whole entire uh, system that we use here is based off of the Opti system that he invented, uh, which is like we talked about earlier, you know, it's implementing what truly helps us to optimize performance. Uh, looking at movement patterns, looking at how can we um, make those movement patterns more challenging with uh, skills as far as that are man-made, like barbells, kettlebells, you know, sleds, running, whatever we, we want to do. Uh, and continuously incorporate that so that person gets better at the movement patterns that then allows them to do whatever they want to do. Whatever skill they want to do, whether it's exactly. training, It could be a skill as far as walking on the beach here in South Florida, you know, uh, running around with your kids, uh, bending over to, uh, you know, pick up uh, groceries from the store, you know, and that's basically um, the whole philosophy that was behind, uh, for instance, CrossFit, you know, and that kind of training, but it became this other thing, you know, uh, and the focus has been changed, so we just want to make sure that the focus still stayed, especially ITP, of what we're actually trying to do and what we're truly trying to do is optimize your quality of life. Mm-hmm. And if I'm able to optimize your quality of life, then everything outside of that should be aesthetically you look fine, you feel better, your performance is better, all these things will happen. As long as we're taking these these four things in account always, then all those other things that we want as far as uh, personal needs will happen if we base it on uh, universal needs right so you started uh, incorporating a lot more of the four pillars right and the, and the idea is not to chase aesthetics not to, not to chase the sweat right exactly uh, people nowadays and chase oh, i want to just get beat up exactly. or i want to look good it's summertime i want to be able to lose body fat which in a sense that's uh, a byproduct but the chase is really the quality of life which is what you mentioned nutrition the movement ideal movement patterns or just move in general understanding that um the mindset, right? The psychological part of it, because like you mentioned, we're a human, uh, we're a complex human organism that right? adapts to its environment, and that's the most important thing. That that I believe for me personally, that was my I say my like my aha moment for me as a coach and me as a uh, as an athlete also because I trained myself also and um, understanding that we are a biological complex system of systems. And really, truly digging into that and understanding that, then you can say, okay, if I take care of this organism of this of this 
biological complex thing that we call a human being and these four pillars, then everything else that I want personally as far as abs, aesthetics, performance, that 500 pound deadlift are all going to come because I'm doing these four things. But unfortunately, what we've been sold in the fitness industry is the other way around. I'm going to go for that 500 pound deadlift and do all these different things that I know it's going to give me that 400 pound deadlift but at any cost and the way we should look at things is whatever you're doing to optimize your performance to optimize your quality of life should be sustainable at all times your nutrition should be sustainable your recovery should be sustainable your mindset should be sustainable. Your training pattern, your exercise, whatever program you're on should be sustainable for you to do that thing. And we really don't look at things like that. When you mean sustainable, you mean long-term. You should exactly. be able to do this long-term. Exactly. Not just for a certain amount of period of exactly. time until you break down. Exactly. exactly. Or you can't do it anymore. Exactly. Because what we're doing, we're doing, like I said, we're doing it the opposite way. We're going to train any which way we want at any cost. And then once we start to break down, then we go back to, oh, you know what? I'm going to go to the physical therapist, or I'm going to go to a chiropractor, and they're going to look at me as a, as a parmentalized person, as the back guy, mm -hmm. as the knee guy, as the mm -hmm. shoulder guy, when we're not with this human person that actually is everything at once. Can you go in a little bit more in depth in like each component, which is the, uh, the nutrition, the movement, the nutrition, the movement? The mindset and then the recovery, the recovery. is going depth with that? Yeah. So let's uh, just look at the, the nutrition aspect, first of all. Uh, we have to have an understanding of uh, proper nutrition, you know, being able to take nutrients into our body, right, that are not processed, as natural, as organic as we can find them, and be able to sustain that quality of nutrition all the time for us to replenish cells, right? be able to wake up the next day and exercise, be wake up the next day to go to work, feel good about ourselves, have proper digestive system, all these things go into account based off that nutrition. But if I'm this person that, uh, you know, two to three times a week, I eat Mickey D's, McDonald's, and then the other four days I'm like really, really good, everything I eat is organic mm -hmm. and grass-fed, um, is it gonna make a difference? Um, yeah, but you're not gonna be at your optimal uh, health or your optimal performance by doing that and nobody's saying that um, You're gonna have to eat boiled chicken and lettuce for the rest of your life or anything like that. But having that understanding of what proper nutrients We're able to take in to give us this uh, Optimal performance that we're looking for as far as um, Recovery uh, everybody thinks that recovery will be like eight hours of sleep and there's more in depth into that. Uh, we have recovery also involves you being able to disconnect yourself from what gives you stress, right? Uh, for instance, in my case, um, what I do is uh, when I feel overwhelmed, I feel like I'm stressed out because of my job, because of kids, my mm -hmm. wife, or whatever. It's life in general. I totally disconnect myself from my facility, from what I'm doing. I go to the beach and spend 15, 10 minutes sitting on the sand, just totally recovering. Right, uh, because the eight hours of sleep aren't doing it, and if I'm able to keep that mindset with recovery, then actually my cells are going to replenish because I'm eating well. Also, that's mm -hmm. another combination I'm bringing into the other variable of it, and I'm actually able to truly recover. Uh, I try to go down to the Turkish bathhouse as much as I can. Mm -hmm. You know, I take hot cold contrast showers every day because I know these these strategies are actually helping me every which way that I can.
you know, as far as recovery. It sounds like recovery, sorry to interrupt. It sounds like recovery sounds like um, getting yourself away from your everyday stimulus or the amount of stimulus that you're having typically and then changing it up into, uh, I know we talk about all the time here as far as uh, parasympathetic and sympathetic, balancing those symptoms. Sympathetic being like fight or flight where you're stressed out and then parasympathetic being where you're kind of like more chill, more calm and just understanding and trying to find that balance. Exactly. Right. So the, the whole thing about the parasympathetic and the sympathetic, uh, as we go a little in depth into that, is uh, understanding, like what you just said, one is where you fight or flight, right? And the other one is where you kind of chill, kind of thing. But also is understanding that um, being in a sympathetic state is also not a bad thing, depending on the situation that you're in, right? If you're a professional athlete, right? And... Uh, you're doing uh, a fly pattern and the quarterback's going about to throw you the ball and you know you're getting the ball. That's stress. Right. You're in a sympathetic, you're in a sympathetic <laughs> right. state there, right? But it's not a bad thing as long as you understand this and you're performing at your sport or whatever you're doing, right? And a parasympathetic state is also being able to, like you said, chill and be able to relax. But it's you actually interacting, right, with the environment right and being able to exchange information with their environment that's truly what parasympathetic state is okay now sympathetic state is just you exerting energy all the time mm. think of it that way also okay right so that's a little more in depth of definition of basically what parasympathetic and sympathetic is okay yeah okay. so we're looking at always exerting energy always exerting energy when i'm in that sympathetic state and that parasympathetic state is me actually being able to absorb the information from the environment and interact with that environment because you're learning. That is learning right there. That is learning. That's where, where it all happens in that parasympathetic state and inf- information being extracted and absorbed from the environment. And then all of a sudden you're doing this thing that you want to do ideally. Right. And then I, you just created a great visual for me. So the, the football athlete is looking for the football, right? Looking for the pass. That's the sympathetic state. Uh, I guess it's a combination of the two. Yeah, there. both things are happening. It's at the a same combination time. of two where he That's understands. Right. First of all, his adrenaline is not pumping through his speed and all that. The athleticism—that's yeah. where it comes out of. But then you think about what people go through, like a daily desk job or that stress or that sympathetic, That's where right. they're all they're doing is exerting all this energy to work on this project. And then not necessarily balancing the two, which is all the stress, and that's where we typically see all those issues, right? Exactly. I guess that's that's a great visual of, of, of those two, where and that's they're both examples as what you just said is is exerting that energy always, all right. the time, is that uh, sympathetic state. Um, let's talk about a little bit more. So we went through nutrition, we went through recovery. Um, talk a little bit more about about mindset, and then movement. Okay, cool. So, um, let's talk about movement first. Um, movement, right? So, when you tell somebody movement, right, they just think of uh, exercise. Majority mm-hmm. of people don't think of exercise, right? And uh, on what we've taught, we've been taught actually in the fitness industry. Um, movement patterns, right, as far as what a human does and what exactly does a human do, right? Um, we change levels, right? Right, and these patterns called gait, was contralateral movement, which is running, walking, crawling, or we squat and hinge, or we do a combination of those three things and changing levels, which would be 
gate horizontal level change, gate vertical level change, combination of those things at all times. And if we look at, say, for instance, um, a skill as far as, uh, say, swinging a kettlebell or a deadlift, right? Um, when I want to get good at these skills that are man-made, nobody actually looks at the pattern that's being uh, exerted in that, in that actual skill, mm-hmm. where swinging and deadlifting will be a hinge pattern, right? right? Changing levels in a hinge pattern. So here at ATP, we look at things a little bit different, right? Uh, if I want somebody to get that 500 pound deadlift, right? Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to put that person underneath that bar under that skill, under that stress, without them having an understanding of what actual hinging and moving ideally is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens with that is that you're going to get people that are actually athletic enough to be able to learn that way. Okay, and then you'll get people that are not as athletic that so actually under, under the bar or with the bar exactly with the bar and just in that pattern. But that person that's even though as athletic as enough, they're they're doing it because they're athletic enough. They're able kind of to just push through it or whatever. But at the end, it's not going to be a sustainable thing for that person because they're not really learning. Right. It's funny you mentioned that because I've heard and even myself uh, playing baseball, um, athletes are the probably the. The hardest, they're, they're the ones that compensate the most. Right. They, they're, they're great at compensating. Right. Their ability to adapt is insane. I mean, a lot of times this will make them good, right? Being exactly. able to adapt under load or stress or whatever mm-hmm. their environment and be able to produce exactly. at that moment. So, it's, yeah, it's, I would agree with yeah. that. And then on the other hand, that's why you never see a professional athlete that actually is, is actually good at their sport past their 30s. Mm-hmm. Rare to see. You know, you'll see somebody, uh, for instance, playing baseball in their mid thirties, right? You know, that's, that's rare. That's rare to see. You know, um, because of the environment that they're putting themselves in continuously to do this thing. So what we want to do is, we want to be able to address the patterns first. And we're not saying, oh, okay, we're just going to work on this hinging pattern. And you're never going to pick up that bar. No, we're going to incorporate this hinging pattern and this changing levels, and then all of a sudden implement this barbell system. And continuously grow it out of that, but not just always uh, putting that person under that stress of just trying to figure out how to pick up this weight. Mm-hmm. So we want them to actually have awareness of how their body actually moves, which is the most important thing for a person to learn. Is that whole awareness? That's what we were talking about earlier. You know, that whole awareness of us as coaches, right? Being able to step away from uh, actually impeding and actually uh, not allowing this person to learn while we getting in their way and just letting them kind of just do their thing and then adjust accordingly um, is the most important thing I believe as far as us being able to help people is giving them that chance where they can actually learn and there's a connection of awareness of what's actually happening where it's ideally or not. I think that's important to go into because that's something that I struggle with, right? And then you mentioned too, like, dang, I see them deadlifting or hip hinging and it's like, damn, that just doesn't look right. It doesn't mean they're not trying. It doesn't mean exactly. you're a bad coach or a bad uh, therapist or whatever it may be trying to teach them that. But they're, they're learning, right? It's an ever-evolving uh, situation for them. So go into, I know we're talking about cueing and uh, trying to make it look as aesthetically, uh, and I, I mentioned it calling like OCD where you want everything to be perfect exactly. because it's not perfect, it's not ideal. Uh, let's go in a little bit more in detail as far as because you were you were alluding to that. Yeah, so um, 
as far as us, uh, us coaches, we, we want to be the best coaches that we can be, right? right? So we want things to look perfect or right, you know? But we have to understand that uh, there isn't such a thing. There really isn't such a thing, okay? Uh, you, could, you could have your client come today, right? And um, we could do uh, the program you set up for them. Uh, you could have stimulus on them the way that you think it's going to be right. And everything is clicking, and everything looks fine, and all of a sudden they're they're moving better, they're lifting weight that they haven't lifted, they actually have this awareness, they have this connection, they've never done this, they feel great, they leave. They come back the next week. You're gonna do the same exact program, the same exact stimulus, and it'll be totally different. It'll be like the person has never done this before, the weight is too much, they're, they're not able to move as ideally as they were before. And all of a sudden, that person starts to judge themselves or the coach starts to judge themselves as far as, ah, oh, I'm doing this wrong. Now you can start making all the different adjustments. Oh, that didn't work. This worked. But we're not taking into account, like what we talked about, those four pillars, right? We're not taking into account what actually happened the week before or the day before, mm -hmm. all right? Where everything, when that person came in and you had this program and everything seemed perfect, that week for that person was probably the most ideal week that they've had in months where that person ate well, recovered well, actually exercised on a regular basis and had the mindset to be able to do those things that week and all of a sudden the result of you giving them this program became ideal for them. But then all of a sudden they're gone for a week, they're arguing with their boss that week. Their wife and kids are driving them nuts. Didn't get enough sleep. Wasn't able to eat very well. Had to go to a drive-thru every single day during a week. And the mindset was definitely not there. Those things are happening. But the program is the same. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to get the same result. And we need to be able to see that. Even though the program is the same, it's the environment that this human being is putting themselves in that week prior. Is it the same when it was ideally for you? And we have to be able to make that connection that there is no perfect. There is no, it's just us being able to get better each time. Like they said, there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. And we accept that in our normal life. Right. But we cannot accept that in our exercise program. We expect that we're a machine and I need to do this all the time. And every time that I get on that bar, I'm going to be better. And eventually I'm going to be PR. And then the next minute I'm going to PR again. And it's, that's crazy. It's never, that's not, that's not, that's not realistic to right. think that way. Because we're not a machine. We're an adaptive organism. A complex adaptive organism. Yeah, and blowing my mind. As always, I'm talking to you more. So, and yeah, and it sounds so simple, right? It sounds like, yeah, that's true. Right, and then you go back and like, damn, I want to lift that, or I want to do this, or I just saw that on Instagram. I want to do that, exactly. right? Um, so it's understanding as a coach, as anybody that wants to teach, and even somebody that's training, um, is understanding that each environment and each each variable plays a part, whether in your daily life and especially in your training. So it's understanding is getting to that training session or that uh, whatever you're trying to accomplish at that moment, and making sure that everything else is as optimal. And understanding that maybe it's not. Maybe yes. there's certain things that throughout that week, the argument with your boss, certain things that are going to happen, you can't actually do. But right. it's understanding, okay, cool, that happened to me that week. Okay, what, how can I make that and turn it around to a positive? That's right? right. Because it's not like, oh, I had a bad week. I'm not in the train today. Right? Exactly. How, how would typically, okay, let's say that person had a terrible week 
and you know that last week they had a great week and as far as training what's what's your um next step as a coach understanding that okay they had a bad week and they're going to train today what's your approach my approach is that throughout the years now that i've learned that uh I need to understand when situations come up like that is that I can't be stuck to a template. Mm-hmm. I cannot be stuck to a template. Not me being as a coach, I know that, you know, uh, Tom comes in today and today is his, his uh, back squat day. Mm-hmm. And I don't take into account anything that's happened to him this week and we're going to do this back squat. And so today he's supposed to do 315 pound back squat because I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Us as coaches have to be able to communicate better right, with our clients, and really get to know what's actually happened outside of the gym with our clients that actually is affecting their performance in that gym, and then go ahead and make that educated decision if I'm going to continue to use this template today, or I'm actually going to change things and do it totally different. Uh, We go to this whole mindset aspect of it now, uh, which is the hardest thing. Out of the four pillars, that is the hardest one, man, Mm. because once again, like you said, Especially here, we live in South Florida. You know, everybody wants a six pack, right. everyone wants the nice legs, you know, the whole nine yards and stuff like that. But we need to be able to um, step away from that, you know, and really look at what's truly, truly gonna make me better, you know, and having that understanding, having that mindset that, you know, today uh, is, might not be as optimal, but I am taking these steps to be able to have quality of life, to then have performance, to then have aesthetics and all these other things that come with that. Absolutely. And I think, uh, so we talked about the, the nutrition, we talked about the mindset, we talked about the recovery, and we talked about the movement. The last thing I want to talk about, what we alluded again as far as cueing, is getting that person to understand the movement, yeah. not stepping in at every moment uh, and be like, hey, your glute, yeah. hey, your knee, hey, this, and just giving them the opportunity to learn for themselves and for us to facilitate that that uh, that moment rather exactly. than intervening, because like you like you mentioned when we were talking, is um, once they step out of this facility or that session with you, they're on their own. Exactly, and then that's what and, and once again is um, there are myelinated patterns that we all have, mm-hmm. right? Good, bad, or indifferent. But if I continuously cue you. That's a pattern that you're gonna, like we talked about earlier, that's a pattern that you're gonna ingrain yourself and then you're gonna expect that cue all the time. And then that time that that cue's not there, you're not gonna perform as I want you to perform. And it's not about that. It's about you being able to learn on your own, have this connection with what's actually happened, have this awareness where now all of a sudden you start to feel the understand, you start to feel the difference when it's ideal and then it's not ideal. Because it isn't like, you'll have clients where they'll turn around and look at you and go, is that right? right. No, it's not about right or wrong. It's just where we're at right now. But forget about if it's right or wrong. Just do your thing. Let's just keep on learning. And it's continuously have this awareness and connection of what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's challenging for a lot of us. You know, yeah. It's very, very challenging because, once again, we weren't taught that way in the fitness industry. We taught that. Us as coaches, we're going to gather this, all this information, all this schooling, all this stuff that we've done, and we're going to implement it to this human being at any cost. And I'm just going to just, you know, vomit this information on top of you and continuously do this, and you're supposed to absorb all this. But there's so much stuff going on, you know, mm-hmm. and all we're really doing is getting in the way. And what we talked about earlier is, yes, there has to be a time where, where we have to have this conversation, right, but it should not be happening 
while the person is actually doing this skill or this pattern that you want them to do, uh, while they're actually learning, you know, um, you're getting in their way. Right. So it's giving them the opportunity to learn within itself and you're just there uh, to facilitate. It's like you mentioned just now is um, whether they're doing a, a hinging or a deadlift pattern. Have them do the deadlift pattern. Cool. Obviously, you see certain things that, that, that are happening. Have them perform whatever reps you have for them. And then afterwards, like, okay, look, yeah. this is what I want you to feel. Hey, push through your feet a little bit more. Exactly. And that's where intervening with like the system that we use now. All of a sudden, we'll, we'll put a band on them or we'll put some kind of stimulus on them. And then we'll say, okay, now that we put this on, now think about you know, uh, getting your chest a little more horizontal to the floor and bending your knees a little more so you can actually push to the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's all you say. And then you make them do the same thing. And then now they're going to have this connection from that. Now, while they're actually trying to do this thing that's already very challenging for them, at the same time trying to absorb just all information that you give them to them at the same time. Right. It's just too much stimulus. It becomes too much stimulus for mm-hmm. us. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Juan, well, I think that's, that's pretty darn good. Cool. I mean, it's a lot of good nuggets that if, again, every time I come in, I'm learning not only from Araceli, from Stephanie, but from you guys, either watching or talking to you guys. So I appreciate um, everything you guys are doing here. Awesome. Uh, just for the listeners, just let them know where they can find you, um, whether it's social media or whatever it is. Um, yeah, just let them yeah, know. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so our, our website is ATP Performance Facility. Uh, you can find us there and you can see uh, basically our mission. You'll see some videos and stuff for what we do. Uh, also on Instagram, ATP Performance Facility. Uh, if you really want to get to know uh, the system that we use and stuff, we host workshops and everything. Our next workshop is June 9th and 10th. There's limited spaces available, but there's still some available. So uh, uh, you can hit us up on that. Uh, if you have any questions, you're more than happy. I'm more than I'm more than happy to ask or answer anything as far as uh, movement, nutrition, mindset, you know, recovery. These four pillars that we talk about. And uh, yeah, man, just keep on doing this thing. Perfect. All right, guys, just make sure you go ahead. I'll make sure to put the links at the bottom of this podcast and this episode. Uh, make sure you follow them. Follow ATP. Um, they're doing some really good stuff. You're like uh, Juan just mentioned. Um, it's just it's just stuff that we take for granted um, that I think we need to revisit and just start learning a little bit more of. Uh, just tapping into that a little bit more. Juan, I can't thank you enough for, no, for thank you for jumping having on. me. Of course. Thank you for having me. All right, guys. Hold up.